How can I trust that my wife actually loves me? Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with Real Recovery. said that <laughs> I think I say that every day and there's a couple of things I was actually just thinking about this Brandon the other day I think I say that almost every episode that you do the tease question uh-huh. and uh, and then there's another thing that happens almost every podcast and it's when I say something and then you go but 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 Tyler <laughs> hang on here hang on here let's hey, hey, hang on <laughs> hang on Tyler but 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 wait wait a minute <laughs> So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've been doing this long enough. I guess we're in our yeah. patterns here <laughs> we a little bit. We kind of have a dance that we do together, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, um, but we, we do have a good guest today. Let's get into it with him. Yeah. So, actually, really exciting to see uh, Chase your face today in our meeting. It's uh, Chase is someone we know. He's someone who just barely came to the Rising Sun retreat that we just had a little while ago. And it's good to see your face again, Chase. Hey, thanks. It's good to see you guys. I'm, I'm already getting emotional just being with you guys because how much I love and appreciate who you guys are. Uh, thanks, Chase. Well, we're glad you're here uh, with us. Hey, let the emotions flow today. It's fine. So, <laughs> yeah. okay. um, so, so give us some background, give us some context, kind of what's going on in your life, some of the struggles you're having, and we'll just kind of go from there. Okay, cool. So um, I've been in addiction recovery um, full-heartedly for the past year and a half. Um, I've, I've struggled with addiction since I was about eight years old. And um, I've just been, it's funny, they always say that sobriety and recovery are two different things. And I feel like I've been really good with the sobriety aspect of recovery, but I haven't been good at recovery. It's been really hard for me to dig deep into like, myself and my core wounds and my life and what life looks like in sobriety, in recovery. Um, so I have been trying really hard to figure out like who I am, where I'm supposed to be, what my path is in life. Um, and I just recently went to your guys's rising suns retreat, which was an amazing, in my opinion, Kickstarter for getting into actual recovery, you know, the, the recovery side of it just learning who I am as a man and stepping into a place where I have God and my power and God is my power in a lot of ways. Um, and, and coming home from that, I've been trying to stay in that power. But one thing I noticed that I, I struggle with a lot is I've um, betrayed my wife you know, for so many years that I don't, I don't think she trusts me in a lot of ways. And I don't see how she can love me after having done all of the awful things that I did. Um, so like when she says like, Oh, I love you. I'm here for you. I just, it's like, I almost, my brain knows it, but my heart doesn't believe it. It's like, how could you love someone so awful? How could you, how could you love a man who did, who lied to you for so many years? Like, where's the respect? Where's the trust? Where's, where is it? And so, so the question, yeah, that I have today is like, how can I, how can I trust my wife to love me? You know, it's interesting, Chase, how you just said that just now is, is, 
it it sounds like this isn't so much about her and what she's doing. It sounds like you don't believe that she should love you um, because you don't believe that you're lovable. Is that accurate? In, yeah. Yeah, definitely. How can you love, me, love, trust somebody and love somebody who's hurt you for so long, right? That's about you. Do you hear, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see that. I guess that's one of the other questions I had was the flip side of that, Chase, like without, you know, you can share whatever you feel comfortable sharing, but in your current mm -hmm. relationship, is there something going on between you and your wife that would actually lend like factually to the idea that she doesn't love you? I mean, in this present moment, no, you know, she, she shows up, she receives me with like understanding and compassion. She, I mean, to the best of her ability, I know there are some times where like, there was an, the other day. So one of my things is like, I spiral a lot. Like I get into victim mode quite often. And, um, I try and like talk to her about like what I'm going through in my victim mode. And I, and one day I tried to voice it and be like, man, I'm so grateful you're not doing this. And I'm so grateful this isn't happening. And I'm so grateful all of these really negative things aren't happening. And like that wasn't received super well. Um, you know, that, that was hard for her to hear those things. Um, but for the most part, she really is like a spectacular wife. Have so, you, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, Tyler, go, please. No, I was, just, I was just coming back to where you were at then, Brandon, because you were hitting the nail on the head then here. It's not that there's something going on in the relationship right now where she's doing things or saying things that are leading to a lack of trust or a lack of love. She's actually showing up in ways where she's, <clears throat> she's actually here. She sees mm -hmm. you. She's not going anywhere. She wants to make it work. She even comes to you and says to you, she basically offers you the gift over and over again, not only of forgiveness, but of, but of her love and maybe trust is still a work in progress. And you'd expect that to be the case right now. I don't think she should fully trust you. That's okay right now. Right. So Brandon was right then that this is, this is an inside out issue more than it is like a, a relational issue. Gotcha. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. To distill this down, you know, the question is, is what's it going to take for you to forgive yourself? Oh man, you know, that's hard. Um, I don't know. You know, my, my whole life is, has been centered around sexual addiction. I, I can't think back to a time that a major change or shift or impact in my life didn't have the influence of sexuality in it in a negative way. So like, how do I forgive myself for my entire life? Chase, what benefit do you get from believing that you're an unlovable kind of POS who, um, like, what benefit do you get by staying there? Because it sounds like you're really trying hard to stay there and believe that that's who you are. Mm -hmm. I don't think there is a benefit. And why do you do it? There's some payout. Yeah, I, I think it confirms a core belief that I'm not enough. 
mm-hmm. and that I'm not lovable. And staying in a place that confirms what I already know, um, I feel sometimes is easier than trying to believe something that I don't think is true yeah. or work through all the pain I've experienced. At least you can be right. Yeah. I, I got something right. Yeah. <laughs> that I am a you got, you got the, you got the core belief that's ruining your life. Right. <laughs> Fortunately, <laughs> this is Chase's is so normal of like, we would rather stay comfortable in our misery than go through, than go through change and, and practice the vulnerability and the courage that that change requires. And so we all, we all do it in some area in our life, but you're very comfortable in the belief that I'm, I'm broken. I'm not enough. And I'm bad. You're comfortable there since you're eight years old, you've been living there. You that's, so you're, that's what, you know, yeah. and, just, and to show up and believe something different, even if it's a positive thing, if you believe I am a lovable man who is a good husband, that, that right there sounds, sounds like a good thing and probably terrifies you some. Makes like, me tense up. Like yeah. I hear that. I'm just like, Oh dude, I don't know. Yeah. Like, ah, like you, ah. It, you want to believe that here. Mm-hmm. But when you don't believe it in your heart, then it's uncomfortable. It feels like you're going to be living a lie. And so you don't resonate there. So you'll push away from that. So when your wife comes around and she says, Chase, I love you. You are the man. Thank you for being you. All of that tension comes up and you push against it. It's, it's like, it's like <clears throat> there's this, you're living in a world right now, Chase, where there is lots of evidence that people, your wife, your therapist, your friends, your group members, they're all walking around with these big boxes that are all wrapped up, these gifts of like, Chase, you're a good man. I love you. Or man, you've got a lot of dedication here. Or, you got a lot of fire here. Or, you got a lot of passion there. And every time they come and offer you the gift, it, it would seem that the false core belief that you're holding on to has you kind of just like, smack it out of their hand and be like f your gift like, <laughs> you know, like, like don't you don't you see that i suck like stop giving me the gift you know i, I have yeah. to believe this no matter what you say or what the evidence is i i have to believe this yeah like, i know who i am and you can't tell me differently yes yeah and, yeah. and it doesn't matter who i mean right now all around us like even in this talk here like both brandon and i are sitting here feeling this sense of love for you and a part of you a sliver of you wants to accept it but the old you is ready it's like he's already got his hand up he's like don't you dare say something nice about me like brandon i'm gonna smack that thing out of your hand so fast (laughs) it's like and it's like i want to just do a little exercise with you for a second okay chase so so just come along with me for a second okay when you when you take that core belief of i'm unworthy of love i'm bad i'm defective i'll never measure up whatever that is And you play that out. This will be really easy. This part will be very easy. What are the consequences and outcomes in your life as a result of that single belief? What does it yield? Um, Solitude. Solitude? 
Okay. Solitude. Um, pain, um, misery. Um, I can see how masks would come up, mm -hmm. walls. Um, I'd feel like a, a lack of fulfillment, mm -hmm. um, a lack of joy. Be sad, suicidal. Yeah. Uh, and you've been in all those places before. Many yeah. times. Many times. Yeah. Okay. Now, now just for just a minute, let's just pretend for a second that a miracle happens tonight while you're sleeping and you wake up in the morning and it's impossible for you to have that false core belief. It's been replaced with something else. What would be the replacement belief? Let's just pretend. Oh man, I haven't played pretend in years. Um, yeah, that's part of your problem. But I can imagine um, it would just it would be. What would be the belief? Let's just let's just do a replacement belief first. Okay. So that I would be enough. I'm enough. Let's yeah. go even a step further. I'm going to push you a little bit, and let's say okay. not only are you enough, but you are you are a good man who's a work in progress. Okay. If you woke up tomorrow and that's the only thing that you could see when you looked yourself in the mirror, mm -hmm. what would your life look like? Um, I would be, I'd be much more committed to working really hard. Because mm -hmm. it's You'd like, be I I'd be really motivated to work hard. Um, I would read every recovery book I could, I would, I would try and have like better intimacy in my family. Um, I, I, you know, I think that the belief I'm a great man at work kind of envelops everything I'd want to do, but I'd want to work. I'd work on being a great man. I'd, um, I'd look to the horizon and see what that horizon was for me. And I'd do everything to get there. Yeah. Okay, perfect. There's a there's a song that was shared with me <clears throat> just this last week by Lady A called mm -hmm. Worship Worship What I Hate. And one of the lyrics in there says that they had to stop focusing on who they were and start focusing on who they were becoming. Yeah. And and what you're saying right now is as if the belief was already in there, the motivation that you're always trying to summon up would be there and then you'd mm -hmm. be actively engaged in becoming the person that you knew you would be. Right. And, and I suspect that we could go on, the list would go on with, you'd have deeper connection. You'd have more confidence. You'd have more peace. You know, you'd have, you'd have a lot of other fruits that would come as a result of the single, this single belief. Right. Go ahead. I, well, I, <clears throat> maybe this is that part in the episode, Tyler, but, 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 but Tyler, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think I think the way that we we actually um stop in, indulging in these faulty core beliefs that cause us harm it, it's paradoxical and it's 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 kind of weird but the way that we do it is by loving those parts of you and so by fully accepting those parts of you so it's not just about don't have that belief anymore it's actually I, I believe that this part of you that, that, that wallows in the, I'm, I'm, I'm a piece of crap that's unlovable. 
that part of you is actually a part that's trying really hard to protect you mm-hmm. and trying extremely hard to get love, to find love. If you can, if you can mope around and wallow and just push your wife away and say, no, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm, then she has to keep coming back and saying, but I love you, but I love you, but I want to get close to you. And look mm-hmm. what that part's doing. It's getting her to prove her love to you again and again and again and again. Um, good for it, right? Yay, right. part. Good job. Yay. But you know what? Yeah. Like, but like, let's, let's love that part and appreciate it. That part that says you're a piece of crap that's unlovable. Like, mm-hmm. And that, that part's there. But now what Tyler's saying is coming back to let's, let's try on something else. Let's replace it mm-hmm. with, with something else. Because this attempt to get love, the way that you're going about it, is yielding um, disconnection. Correct, Chase? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So as much as we appreciate that part working for you, let's try another one on. Okay. And, that, and Tyler just kind of mentioned... I'm a good man who's a work in progress. You mm-hmm. could kind of, you could kind of find that piece of you that is there any part of you that believes that? Yeah, there, it's, it's almost like situational. Okay. You know, it's like if, if I like, you know, if someone comes into work and I, and I set a really solid boundary with them, you know, um, like the, for example, there was a lady that came in last week to my work and she was just like going on and on about how much she loved our connection and how great it was. She needed a man like me in her life. And I was just like, Nope, I'm not a connection source for you. I connect with my wife only. Like after that moment, I felt like a million bucks. I was like, dude, I'm the best husband ever. I can set boundaries. I can, right. I can handle my business. Like I'm a great guy. Um, but it only is like those moments where I, I'm succeeding. And then when I fail, it's back into that, oh, you know, who is Keela to love me? Why Keela is my wife, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who is she to love me? Who like I don't deserve her. She does all this amazing recovery work. And here I am just in my misery. Whoa. You know, I, there's a life insurance policy out on me. She's just better off getting that. You know, she'll be happier with that money because then that money can't hurt her like I do. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just this whole spiral and it depends on how I respond in every situation and every day. But I don't believe I have a core belief of like power or I'm a great man. That's something that I can rely on consistently. Let's take it a little deeper. Do you believe that God loves you unconditionally, no matter what mistakes you make? No, no, I don't. That's at the I'm, core. That's the core of it all. Yeah, I since the retreat. That's something I've been working on a lot. Um, I know that like the relationship I have with my earthly father resembles the relationship I had with my heavenly father. And up until a couple of days after the retreat, I was never enough for my dad. And no matter how hard I worked, how big I got, how good I could fight, how much I could eat, I was never enough. I was always shamed by him. So I thought up until, you know, three weeks ago that if I wasn't not swearing, if I was not following the word of wisdom, if I wasn't wearing my garments, going to the temple, going to church and actively participating, that it wasn't sufficient for God and he wouldn't love me, you know, because I wouldn't get all of the blessings he promises. So there's always this deficiency kind of contingency model of love with God. Of, of, I got I to gotta do this, 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 and this. 
and knowing you'd never live up to it, there was always this feeling of deficiency of like, God does not fully love me. And because that's what you experienced with your own dad. Right. And not not to blame your dad, but that that's kind of the mm-hmm. model of what you've experienced. So you've always been looking at it from this angle of look how I'm not lovable. Look mm-hmm. how I'm not okay. I can do all these good things, but all those good things are great. Yay, I feel good about myself, but look, here's why I'm not lovable and that's why I'm not lovable. Right. Uh, yeah. Tyler, anything to add? Yeah, Chase, I think it's interesting that you Brandon's asking you these questions and <clears throat> and you, where you led yourself to was my relationship with God resembles my relationship with my father. Mm-hmm. And here's here's what's interesting is because because of the nature of us as human beings, most of us have that kind of direction of experience where we have an experience with other people, namely our caregivers, usually our fathers, mm-hmm. that molds how we see our idea of God. And then we assume that it's fact that that's the God that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. When in reality, without knowing it, because we were just children being raised in a certain system, it was our way of apprising the situation that we really partly couldn't help mm-hmm. that actually puts us in the mode of seeing God in a certain light. And the beautiful thing about that is, is that if we can actually go back and realize that you know, whatever that thought process is and how it was formed. And it was probably formed in some very strong ways emotionally. Mm -hmm. It was still a thought process. Mm -hmm. And, and the beautiful thing that we know about a thought process is, is that you could have anything go through your head right now Mm -hmm. and it would simply just be a thought. And maybe a starting point is, is that when I start to have these old ways of being, these old false core beliefs, these old thoughts, maybe just a beginning place to start is to just recognize that's a thought. It's just a thought. Mm-hmm. Maybe I could unhook that thought from my brain and put it out in front of me like it's on a TV screen for a minute and just look at that thought and let it be a thought instead, mm-hmm. of, instead of absolute truth that I've just been living my whole life. Mm-hmm. If I'm recognizing now, and you're in a spot in your own recovery where you can recognize that belief system, pull it out from your brain, put it in front of you and just read it and say, does that have to be true? Mm-hmm. Does it need to be true? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a thought. Yeah. Can I absolutely know it's true? Yeah. All of that stuff. You know, there's an exercise that I do with my clients a lot of times, just kind of a meditation where I'll have them sit and breathe deeply. Mm -hmm. And then I'll have them just kind of imagine that the inside of their head is like a snow globe. And Mm -hmm. every, every, every snowflake is just a different thought. And you just breathe and you just pick out a a thought and you watch it and then have it fall to the ground and, and mesh with the other snow on the ground and then let it go. And then you look up and you find another snowflake. Mm-hmm. And, and really what you're training yourself to do is to just be mindful and aware of the fact that it's a thought and that you're capable of seeing it. You're capable of processing it. You're capable of letting it go mm-hmm. if, it, if it doesn't serve me. Right. Right. Um, maybe that's a, just a small practice that could be a starting point for at least not having it have such a grip on you. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I really like that. Eldridge talks about initiation with God. And so, mm-hmm. Chase, when you go home and you do the dishes, mm-hmm. 
and your wife smiles at you and says thanks. And you get that little feeling inside of like, oh, I, I, I did something good. Yay. Yeah. That's, that's not getting your question answered. That's not. About being the, good enough. About being right. man enough and being good enough. That's actually you using your wife to try to get your question answered. When you go home and, and, uh, and you, your wife comes on to you and you, you have amazing sex, mm-hmm. and in that moment it's like, oh my gosh, this is the best ever. That's not mm-hmm. you getting your question answered. Um, gotcha. Are, are you following me? Mm-hmm. Um, when you go to your therapist or talk to your friend and you say, Hey, I read a bunch of recovery books this week and, and they were awesome. And and they say, Oh, wow, you did good for you. You read those books. Wow. Look at you. Mm -hmm. That's not you getting your question answered. You follow me? Following. So, so when you're trying to take your question to everybody else, Mm -hmm. then you'll never get that question answered. Ever. And sometimes other people will give you that validation you're looking for. And sometimes they won't. Mm -hmm. And especially if you take it to your wife, you take it to the feminine, sometimes she'll give you validation and it's her job to, to not give it to you. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's her job for you to be able to kind of stand alone on your own two feet and for her to know that you're okay standing there when she doesn't have to give you validation. Mm -hmm. Where do you take your question and how do you take it there? Oh, man. I, oh, what I've been recently doing, I, after the retreat, I, I called my wife and was like, I don't, I don't know how to connect with you. And my thought was that if I can connect with her in a way that she feels connected to, that's going to validate me being good enough as a man. Mm-hmm. So she made me this really long list of all of the different ways that I can connect with her, you know, from things as simple as like cooking in the kitchen together or going on an adventure together. Um, and I've been trying to do all of those things on a consistent basis out of a place of love, because I feel like that would, that would confirm in me that I was a good husband because my wife felt connected to. It's backwards. Yeah. Do, that, do you see, do you see what's backwards about it? I'm still trying to put my work onto her by doing this. She can validate me. Yeah. When yeah. she's happy with me, that will make me good enough instead of <clears throat> I'm a good man who happens to do these things to connect with my wife. Mm-hmm. I would say your wife no, hang in here with me, Chase. But I would say your wife doesn't. I would say your wife doesn't love you because she doesn't know you, and so she she knows the compliant Chase who who tries to do the right things to be good enough and lovable, and she knows the Chase who pushes away because you know you're not lovable, so you're going to disconnect and like not and go act out or do whatever, right? Disconnect. Right. Where the the strong, um, healthy in your masculinity and connected to God, Chase is vulnerable. And at times you might say things that she doesn't like, mm-hmm. but she would appreciate that because it's honest. Um, and she'll, she'll feel that strength from you, but that strength has to come from somewhere. Right. And when there's this deficiency and this void underneath all of it, Chase, mm-hmm. it can't, it can't come from nowhere. 
right? Right. Um, and so the backwardness of it is, is taking that question there and trying to source your worth and who you are from your wife. Um, can, I, can I ask something? Mm -hmm. um, Chase, just in the last, let's just say the last month, I've had interactions with you, not only at the retreat, but in other ways mm -hmm. as well. Um, have there been any moments in the last month where you would say you were operating from a place of what Brandon's talking about, inward strength versus the need for other people to validate? Have there been any moments there? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a few that come to mind. Mm -hmm. Um, would you be willing to share one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the other night, um, my wife and I we were getting ready to, we're laying in bed and, um, I was flirting with her quite a bit and, but I didn't engage in sex. And the next morning she was really confused as to why I didn't. Um, and so she, when she gets really confused at times, she can really start to like, I call it the interrogation process where she just, she gets really firm and really upset and starts to interrogate me in a lot of ways. And I felt myself going deep into a victim mode, like deep into shame. And my mind was starting to race. And I was trying to think of a lot of ways that I, I could, um, I could answer the question in such a way that it would give her peace, make her happy with me again. Um, and I, I probably about two or three minutes into the conversation, I had realized I was like, I'm, turning into a victim. I don't like the way I'm feeling. I want to come out of this out of a place of like power for myself and respect. And I can't do it in this situation. Um, so I stopped the conversation it was just like, Hey, I love you, but I can definitely tell that like you're angry with me. And I feel like because you're angry, I'm responding in a victim mode. Um, and that's just not a place I can be in this moment. Um, I would love to continue this conversation, but I can't do it if I'm Boundary. the anger is going to be okay. here beautiful so so where where did you draw the strength to have that insight and that boundary chase in that moment oh, um you know what it i from i don't know if like i can say from like an outside source like but i felt it right here in my abdomen i just felt mm -hmm. this power that came on that said hey it's time for you to take care of yourself mm -hmm. So I just okay. kind of felt that power, breathed that power for a minute, and then like thought, how can I lovingly voice, I need to take care of myself. Okay, beautiful. So, so take that feeling that you had in your body mm -hmm. and now think, what are the ways that, that you've had in your lifetime when you've had that same kind of a feeling in your body where that's, that's your inner strength there. That's your true self. That's starting to say, Hey, like mm -hmm. I've got to show up and be more authentic and I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to set some boundaries. Mm -hmm. What are the things in your life, mo maybe moments or activities or beliefs that have fueled that, that overall feeling in the past? Rising sun's retreat. Mm -hmm. that's that's the first time i ever felt like i could be honestly vulnerable in a powerful way by setting boundaries mm -hmm. first time in my life i've ever felt like i what facilitated that like um, why why did it what shifted there what what caused the shift um it was the i call it the rage room mm -hmm. 
the uh, when we were up in the ice caves and it was lights out. Brandon was screaming like crazy. I was crying really hard. Um, I remember um, it was like a perfect example of what outer darkness was to me, what that would be like. Um, and I remember I was laying on the cold dirt floor and Brandon was talking about like the energy in the room and how it was really dark. And he invited, you know, a higher power to come down. And it was Jesus that I, I feel like Brandon was talking about, but for me, it was my little sister. I, I don't know if you guys know, but I had a sister complete suicide, um, back in 2014, she was 16 at the time. Oh, wow. Um, I was 18. So it's, it's been about eight years, but I remember I was laying there on the ground and I could just see her perfectly sitting on the rock next to me. And she was the one that took the energy in and like purified that energy and gave it back to me. And in that moment, I remember laying there on the ground, just like not only begging her for forgiveness, but just feeling so much light and power and strength in that moment. Chase, that's beautiful. There's a, there's a key element to this chase is that you surrendered and accepted the gift that came in the form of your sister. You were broken enough to allow yourself to be loved in that broken, dark place. And you put down your defenses and you allowed love to permeate that darkness. And, and now you're telling me that that's the same source of fuel that you just drew up from when you were able to lovingly set a boundary with your wife. Yeah, it felt very, very similar. Do you see the connection? I think I can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, Chase, uh, oh, making me emotional too. Me too. I'm <laughs> about ready to stop um, sobbing. <laughs> Um, I invite I, you. <laughs> I, one thing about the the retreat, you know, when we talk about stepping into your power and who you are, there's always things that I don't expect that happen at, at retreats, and and um, you were one of those things. Um, you had surrendered, you let go, and you were you were a galvanizer, you were a connector to all. And I felt like you were in your purpose uh, up there. Yes. And it wasn't like you you just, you know, thinking in your head all the time about what you should and shouldn't be doing. And it was, it just felt like you were authentic. And, um, you know, back to what Tyler was just saying about your experience in the cave, I think your experience at the retreat as a whole, when you surrender and allow love to come in, your question gets answered. And so, you know, if you're trying hard to, to prove it, to get it from whomever, from your wife, from whomever, um, it actually gets in the way. So that initiation that Eldridge talks about is actually stopping life and just allowing your sister to come talk to you allowing God to come talk to you, allowing, you know, those moments on the mountain when we're watching the sunrise or just those small moments in, in your everyday life, you just need to feel that peace every day. 
Because then when your wife comes around and she's having a really hard day or, or work is really difficult or that woman comes onto you at work, you're going to be able to step into your power in those moments because you can draw from something that's always been depleted. You've been operating from a deficiency there. Like you, the, not only is the bank empty, like you're in debt in terms of the shame that you've been living in. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so fill it up. Fill I'm past it up. due on my payments too. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> stop for a minute. And this is about you and God. It's not about anybody else or anything else. Just stop for a minute and fill it up every day and find ways that you can. Um, like I'll give you a weird one for me. Last night I turned on some meditative music. I lit a candle and I sat in my dark closet and I just sat there and I listened to the music. And um, that was it. Like I just spent half an hour just sitting there and it was beautiful and I felt so good. And that was mm-hmm. it. And I released so much. Um, so it can be anything, but you have to, you have to get to that place of surrender to do that. It's a, a place of faith. <clears throat> I'm thinking of a couple of songs, Chase, that I would challenge you to go listen to. For some reason, music's in my head today, so sorry you got that. No, I I love today. music. I... So the first one is, is I want you to go listen to the Shine Down version of Simple Man. Okay. And then I want you to listen to the Eagles version of Learn to Be Still. And I think where Brandon's going is exactly where I would be going with you too, and that's stop performing, Chase. Be. Just be. Find some time in your life to just be. Get rid of the distractions. Get rid of the noise. Get rid of the need to perform. You can perform the rest other, like take an hour every day, but take the other 23 hours, you can perform all you want. I'm going to learn how to let go and surrender And I'm going to allow that silence or the nature or the music or whatever else that I'm going to use Mm -hmm. to practice surrender and letting go. One last song, casting crowns, just be held. (laughs) Okay. Um, The the, the hard thing, Tyler, to do that is because you're spot on. The hard thing to do that is this, this voice of, if I just be, then, then I'm bad. If I just be, you know, and, and we know as we're talking to you here today that that's not true, Chase. And I think you know that you're starting to, to realize that if I just let go and I'm authentically me, I am a son of God and I'm loved mm-hmm. and I'm a good husband. And I, I'm a good father. I'm, a, I'm, that's who I am naturally, not the opposite of that, you know? So you're going to have to like see that voice come up. That's going to try to shut you down from surrendering. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's that voice. Okay. That's I'm actually going to let go of that. And I'm not going to go into performance mode here. I'm going to go into surrender and just be. And the interesting thing about that, Chase, and I, I want to echo this because I think it's true. I've seen it in a two, in two places. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is I've known you for a, a little while now, and I mm-hmm. know you to be a performer and I saw you stop performing and start being over that retreat weekend. I, mm-hmm. I witnessed a difference. And I want to tell you that my, my love for you grew when I saw your vulnerability. 
And the paradoxical thing here is, is that as you work to surrender to God and allow God to love you and find that connection, you will start to unlock those, that ability to simply just be. And I've seen it happen with your wife too. She just wants you. That's, that's all she wants. And she's been telling you that for forever now. All she wants is you. She doesn't want performance chase. Performance chase has burned her life to hell. Like, <laughs> you know, she wants, she wants you. And I've seen that. And the, the, the interesting thing is, is that the byproduct of you learning to be still and be you will be that it will yield results because you'll be in the spot to receive the gift that's been given to you over and over again, that you keep slapping to the ground. But, but you have to cultivate your heart to a spot where you can receive the gift because the gift is already there. It's not the answer. It's a gift. It's fascinating. The irony that the very thing that is like desperate for love and, you know, this performance-based part of you is the very thing that gets in the way of you um, being able to be loved and to, to connect to. <laughs> so trying to be good enough, trying to, to show that you never make mistakes, being a good enough church member, all those things are the, the thing that you think is earning your love. Mm -hmm. And it's the very thing undermining it. Do you see that? Yeah, I do. Chase, what are you experiencing right now emotionally? Just check in really quickly. What are you? Yeah, uh, vulnerability hangover. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like a lot of peace and I feel warm. Just like temperature wise, I, I normally don't feel very warm, but I feel really warm right now. Um, I I feel comfortable. Um, and like, I know that this is going to go out to viewers, but like, I feel safe. I feel really safe. Normally in those situations, I don't. I try and be very particular of like what I say and how I say it, especially if I know many people will see it. I, I don't really care. You know, I just want to be honest with you guys um, mm. in this moment. Um, yeah, I, I feel the same. I feel thanks. it with you. Oh. I do too. Thanks. It feels like, you know, I, I would, I hope our listeners can sense what I think all three of us are feeling. Cause there's a connection that's been happening. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, I think as a result of the fact that you've let your defenses down and, and, um, and I think it's a pretty beautiful illustration of the principle we're trying to talk about right now. And the fact that you could key in on that feeling, you said you felt obviously a vulnerability hangover. You're going to have to have the hangover to get the payoff of what you just said, which is I feel peace and I feel calm. And I would bet that yeah. that's, <clears throat> that's probably experienced in your body in similar ways to what you just described when you set the boundary with your wife. And when you found that peace with your relationship with your sister. Yeah. And I imagine it's probably got similar physiology to it. Yeah, definitely. You know, the principles are the same. Go ahead, Brandon. Well, let's, I, I just want to talk about the lion's den a little bit, which is, you know, if chase the Zen master walking around in the world, you know, just in, in pure peace, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so let, let's say the world's the lion's den. And the fact of the matter is, is this, this kind of, surrendered um man who who is confident and understands his heart um at times that will look like you 
in a calm, loving way, having a really hard boundary with somebody and stepping into conflict. Mm -hmm. Um, At times that'll look like you climbing a mountain and sitting there and just enjoying the sunshine on your face. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're not just talking about, you know, chase ascending to heaven here and, and, you know, whatever, um, (laughs) being enlightened to that point. We're talking about you navigating this world and navigating this world in an authentic place that's driven from a place of of love and purpose, God's mm-hmm. purpose, and not from a place of fear. Um, and so what you do is kind of will, will take care of itself. Why you do what you do is what's going to shift for you, Chase. Yeah. And And when you shift that... And every day you make a concerted effort to act out of love for yourself and knowing that God loves you mm-hmm. and every, the results of your life will start to change. You'll have deeper intimacy with your wife. You'll have more success at your career. Um, all kinds of things will start to change because the energy in which you're coming from um, will shift what you manifest. Um, and so, yes, step into the lion's den, Chase. Be a powerful man, even when it's hard. Um, be a vulnerable, tender man, even when it's hard, right? That reminds me. Uh, that reminds me of the song "Lion" by Elevation Worship. Mm-hmm. Just having that power always. Yes. 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 Man, we, um, we got a full playlist. Yeah, we do. We just we just we just rounded up a full playlist for Chase here. Um, I know we're just about out of time, Chase. I I hope that you can feel the love that Brandon and I both have for you and the work that you're doing. I want to, I want to share this quote that everybody has heard a thousand times before, but I'd like for you to hear it in the context of our conversation today. Okay. And then you can go listen to it on pretty much every other. Is it poetry time, Tyler? Uh, Not 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 quite quite poetic, but it's a quote. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There's my vulnerabilities. I always throw my poems out there and then my brother mocks them. So, (laughs) Hey, Tyler, I'm one who loves poetry. So I, I, I do too. (laughs) So, so, but, but yeah, this is, I think it fits really well for the discussion we're having Chase. And I, I'd like for you, Chase, to listen to this specifically as a call up. All right. This is, this is just for you in this moment. And I want you to hear it with those ears. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, Chase, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightening about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We are born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us. It is in everyone. And as we let our light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. You hear it, Chase? I hear the call. Step in. Chase, don't don't forget... Don't, don't you dare forget what your sister did for you in that cave and that she's calling you up, that she's there holding this pain for you so that you can step into your, your light and fully realize that light. 
So don't forget that because Satan's going to come in. Those thoughts are going to come in. The battle is going to rage. Don't forget that. Okay. Okay. Chase, you're the man. Thank you so much for Thank being vulnerable. Thank you for coming on, Chase. Thank you for being here. Thank you, guys. To, to those of you who are listening, if you feel that burn in your heart right now and you know of somebody else who's in the same shoes, share this with them. Let them have the light that Chase brought today by bringing himself. So thank you for listening. All right. See you guys.